0: Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Today, Another conversation from the vault, this time with Deb Ganderton, who at the time was the executive manager of communications and engagement for the city of Burundara in Melbourne, Australia. Since then, Deb has moved on to become the CEO of the Metropolitan Cemeteries Trust in Melbourne. Deb is a long-time leader of the communication profession in Victoria through her participation in various communications roles, and her leadership of the International Association of Business Communicators in Victoria. We met when I had the good fortune to work with her team at the City of Burundara in the early days of content communication in municipal government. They certainly got the principles and did a great job in using content to connect with local citizens. In this conversation, we discuss building the capacity of communication teams to add value to government departments and to share their important work effectively with the community. She shares her toolkit for developing a strong internal communications network where comms is integrated into the work of every department. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So, Deb, before we jump into the discussion on how you're using content marketing there in the city of Boroondara, I'd like to know the story of Deb Ganderton and how is it that you've come to be the executive manager of comms and engagement for the city of Boroondara?
0: Oh, thanks for that, David. Well, I think I fell into local government about fifteen years ago um, when I was sort of looking for a job. So I might go back before then and, and then and then tell you how I got in. So my background is in public relations. Um, so I've worked for myself, I've worked for agencies, and I've worked for corporates. And the way I like. And then the challenge for me for public relations is how do you have a relationship with with your publics? I was interested in the days because I'm of a certain age where when you work for agencies and you were doing the below the line stuff and you always took second place to the the advertising section. But those days are kind of blurred and gone now. I suppose I then um, did a couple of years um, looking at – Sorry, I, I went into hospitality, um, still doing marketing. So marketing has been the the, the the way all the way through. Tourism marketing, hospitality marketing. I then came back to Melbourne and thought, gosh, you know, the 80s are gone. Ooh, I need a job. Do I want to go back to an agency or what will I do? It was pretty tough, really. So I, I, I saw an ad in the local paper that said wanted someone who could write a press release. So I thought, God, I can do that. So um, I went to work for the, uh, the local council, um, you know, which was just 10 minutes from my home. Well, it was a love affair that was to last and will last for many years longer. The beauty of being a professional communicator in a local government setting as against in corporates is that you get to deal with all manner of um, stories and personalities. So you need to find out from the engineer what news he's got. He'll never or she will never say the building a bridge was anything special. but your arts people will tell them it tell you everything they do is completely special. So you need to be a translator, you need to be a story finder. you need to be very, very curious. So and you need to find a voice for your organization from very many different voices across the across the organisation.
1: So what is your process that you enter into in terms of developing the stories that you use to engage with the, the people of the city of Boroondara?
0: Build trust across the organisation that you can add value. So often comms departments in local government become the holders of the logo, the gatekeepers of the style, the naysayers. So really work very hard and have your staff work very, very hard to um, build the capacity of the organisation and the staff to understand that you can add value, to um understand that their news is um, that the news is important and they perhaps have a, um, a a duty to share with the community the work that they're doing because frankly the community are paying for it
1: so how then do you go about building that trust is it a just a, a, a about sort of getting out and having meetings with people, talking face-to-face, or have you been able to build it to the point where, you know, members of your council staff are now coming to you with stories and story ideas?
0: Again, that's a, a very mixed bag. So there are 1,100 staff here at the City of burundara and we are in, you know, five or six locations. So what I've done is, is recently restructured. With my team, we have reimagined our, our service and, and realigned it to create an agency model. So each directorate, five directorates, um, have got a business partner, a strategic business partner from comms. So we know their business. There is Instead of having to go to the person who does the advertising and the person who writes the Burundara bulletin, so to brief in to five or six comms people, they've got a central go-to person that understands their business, that understands how we can add value. So so you set it up structurally. Secondly, we're introducing a model of perhaps accredited communications specialists. So you pick the person in each department, 29 departments, that might have a flair for digital or might have a flair for writing, might have a flair for design, and say, would you like to partner with us to build your skills so you can be our man, our person on the ground? So between that person in the business with us working with them, you get that perfect storm of news stories. Yeah, it, it, it's working really well. Early days, but it's working well.
1: Yeah, I really like that idea. So what sort of uh, training do you offer these uh people who are as part, working in part of these teams
0: so we've so we are we do two things we bring in some externals but we also share our own knowledge so we have got our video guy to talk to them about what makes a killer video we've got our um, web publisher to say about perhaps how you write for the web how you write the same story For the different formats. We will have our community engagement um, girl go in there and say, How here's the toolkit. So we run this sort of in-house sharing of knowledge and also how they can use our style guide, how they can use um, our photo library, how we can do that. We also have a published program through our learning department for there to be um, um, hands-on externals um, that perhaps fill the gap that my team also go to so we learn together.
1: So how many people have taken up that opportunity to be the the go-to accredited comms person in their particular division?
0: Well, we've got a really healthy organisation here. We've been just swamped. So we wanted 29 to department's 29 people we've currently got 45 that are, are saying put me in coach
1: okay and they and how then do you get those people who are active and are engaged and are ready to be a part of it how do you get their bosses to accept that comms is now a part of their role
0: oh i'm blessed here the city of burundar Gets communications, they get community, and they get the need to engage. So um, I, I serve on the executive uh, of 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 the city. So um, I've got the same vote as the engineer and the accountant and the city planner. So that kind of helps. So one, I've got I've got um, positional power. Two, you've got an executive and a senior leadership team that really understand the importance of comms, and you've got a really um, a highly engaged workforce that understand this is really important for their career. So we will invest in you if you wish to invest your time in us. To not, It's not just for the organisation. It is actually a wonderful opportunity to advance their career.
1: So in terms of building that trust with your executive colleagues and the chief executive officer and the mayor, how have you gone about building that trust?
0: Oh, I walked in with a very high level of trust. So, so the organisation—I've been here six years, but um, it, it wasn't—I I didn't have to do very much work. There has been a recognition, a long-standing recognition of of the importance. How I have maintained that and perhaps um, built on that is to you know, look. I'm an extrovert, and it's very difficult in a Conservative organisation in, in, in any bureaucracy to not be seen as the PR girl, the, the 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 extrovert, the let's run a lovely party. So I think it's really important for you to build on your personal brand as the trusted advisor by um, perhaps modulating your excitement. <laughs> so I present um, with evidence. I do research, I evaluate, I take it through. So I use the systems in place rather than bursting into the room saying, have I got a great idea for you?
1: I like that idea that you've really got to go to the table with numbers and you've got to go to the table with evidence, particularly if you're going to get the, the city engineer on board or the city mm-hmm. planner on board, uh, or you know, the chief financial officer. They understand numbers mm. and it's numbers that move them. So could you give us a little bit of an insight into what are the numbers that really tickle the fancy of your executive council members?
0: Well, I think they want to see a plan and they're open for what any, whatever plan there is. And, and as you said, we are really committed to innovation and, re, and reimagining stuff. But they want to kind of see, okay, we understand agile management, but where do you want to get to? So it's very clear to have a clearly articulated vision to then say, and this is my plan for, and it could be a one-year, two-year, three-year, four-year, 10-year, 100-year plan, so that there is an outline. To also up front say that for this to be achieved, because circumstances will change and advances in technology will change and impacts will change, and, and as we go along and find out more, that the trajectory may change, but I will keep them advised. So there are touch points. There's well-documented um, plans. Now, before you roll your eyes and sort of say, God, how do you get anything done when you spend your life in plans? We do rapid prototyping. We do plan to fail stuff. We do all that kind of and, – and, and there's a you're up for it. There's also no blame. There is a no-blame environment. I've had some spectacular failures. But because you set it up in the beginning to say this is a pilot or I'm testing or it's a prototype, everyone feels quite able to have a say but fail early. You know, don't don't go and keep it alive for a year or so and pour money into something that's not going to work. So you build resilience with your elected representatives with your colleagues and with the staff.
1: But it also sounds like you're really managing those expectations by making sure that your plan is expressed in very clear and simple terms that people can understand.
0: Absolutely. It is also vital that you can show community benefit and that it fits in with the overarching council plan. You know, you can't just go off on a frolic How does it fit in with the existing vision for your city and how can you add value?
1: Exactly. And to see that comms will be an enabler for the Mm. city to be able to achieve the objectives that it's got outlined in its corporate plan.
0: David, that's so interesting you used that word enabler. Comms does not exist in and of itself. We are there to enable other departments um, um, externally facing departments, internally facing departments, to be the very best they can, because we have got skills, superpowers if you like. We, <laughs> we, 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 we can help. The worst thing a communicator can do is take the glory themselves, be believing their own PR. You sit there and you help and assist and enable the departments to deliver their services.
1: Okay, so it's Wednesday after a victory that you've had at an executive meeting on Tuesday and you've got your plan through, how does then Deb Ganderton then scope it up and deliver it through your team given that you do have the strategic business partner ownership piece where one of your team belongs to one of your particular areas. And you've also got this growing uh, skill enabled team who are sitting out in those divisions ready to be uh, activated in the interest of achieving the objectives. How best do you go about then operationalising these strategic plans?
0: Well, the beauty of the development of a strategic plan is, of course, that you consult widely before you even go out there. So once you get the tick off and you get the funding, then you just simply roll out the plan because you have developed it with everyone that could help you or get in your way. So it is. So the ticket is to engage early and widely, to look at any pitfalls that may get in the way, I mean, and then the improvements. It's co-create your work, and the rollout is actually quite easy.
1: All right, then. But from that point of view, though, and, and making sure that it, it does roll out and it, it does uh, link effectively uh, to program objectives, how then do you go about measuring? What sort of things do you put in place to measure the impact of, of the activity that you're undertaking?
0: Yeah, I suppose when you look at, um, you, you, you probably, I'm not trying to use terms here, but, what are you trying to achieve? So the project will say we are trying to achieve, and if it's comms, it's is it awareness, is it behaviour change, or if you are trying to get um, a social media impact, how uh, you know what results are there? So it is bespoke stuff for each plan. What are you trying to achieve? So there's goals and there's outcomes, and we would have a measure against each one of those, and a way of measuring. So you don't get to the end of your project and say, "Did we do? Did we do good?" So it's all, and and all this is templated. We run by templates. Now we can change them, but it's actually all the thought goes in the beginning. So yeah. On a matter of evaluation, it is very difficult in a – I try to stay away from ROI. I try – you know, it's just I can pick a figure. I could actually get a big company in to give me a figure. But you're kind of then limiting yourself to reaching that figure when things might change. So for my customer experience improvement project, the big – and there wasn't much pressure but, I mean – there could have been is what dollar savings are you going to make you know for this 10 million dollar investment what dollar savings are you going to make and, 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 and how many staff you know and you're just going well perhaps if we could talk about what is the purpose the purpose of the plan is to increase the customer experience is, is to improve the customer experience not to create efficiency because it is our fundamental belief that if you improve improve the customer experience, efficiencies will flow. But then that's sounding a bit nebulous in a political environment. So could we research and benchmark the current experience of the customer and then after we do an intervention, I'll give you an example in a minute, then measure the experience after that intervention. So you are actually measuring the, cus- the improvement in the customer experience that the project has envisaged. So, uh, okay, do make sense- uh, yeah, it
1: does make sense, and I'd like to know if you could give us that example.
0: Perfect. So, a fence permit in the city of Burundara, and that for people who don't know Burundara, we're Camberwell, Kew, Hawthorne, Ashburton, you know, so Baldwin. So, we are um, close to the city and we um, have a very beautiful, beautiful. Um, housing stock so to get a fence permit our process review told us that you had to go to five departments and fill in up to 14 forms depending on whether or not you're in a heritage area it made complete sense from the organisation's point of view because there was planning and building and local laws and you know yada yada from the customer it was an embarrassment You sit there going, really? You know where I live. But for each one of those 14 forms, you had to repopulate your forms. Plus, we had three different kinds of um, payment ways. So we go, if we have a customer-focused attitude rather than an organizational-centric thing, could we change the way this process works? So we're working on that at the moment. So we have benchmarked the applicant, the people who are making, how did you find that experience with the five departments and 14 forms? We will then benchmark the applicants in the new system. We will report to council and to our community on that kind of um, improvement.
1: So how expensive is it to you to continue to go back through the research phase to be able to not only establish benchmarks, but to measure improvements or or, or um, not improvements, whatever, or, uh, whatever okay. that word
0: is. Yep, 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 yep. So, <laughs> yeah, and a polite one. Um, <laughs> so we have an, an annual research, um, you know, budget. Uh, and so we would look at a mystery shopping program. We would look at annual satisfaction surveys. So within that budget, we would um, run however many processes we need to run. So we use. Can I mention the name of a company? Yeah, you can. Yeah, um, Customer Service Benchmarking Australia have got this absolutely ripper um, benchmarking for this kind of customer experience: phone, email, letter, whatever you want. So they are making this offer. So that's about nine and a half thousand dollars, and we will run that annually. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It's not yeah, a it's lot. Not too of bad, money. is it? It is absolute gold because the annual satisfaction survey is about perception. You might not have used the service, but you will have an opinion on it. Now, that's okay, but that is not going to help me do how, how can I report back on the success of my customer experience improvement project. It's not meaningful.
1: So, Deb, did- You've been around in the comms game for a long time and we are in the middle of a major transformation being driven by technology. How is it changing the way you do your work?
0: Oh, it has completely turned my work upside down. Every everything I have everything I'm good at and everything I have held dear is out the window. There's a really interesting time to be in communications so my background is in public relations my core skill is in advocacy and perhaps key message development well where does that take you when <laughs> <laughs> no one's reading no one's reading the paper and um, so it, you know you have to reimagine yourself and and use your skills to influence the organisation because people are talking out there. So the reimagination and the influencing that I try to do in local government is, one, never tell a lie. Two, fess up when you need to. Three, be respected enough to be invited listen to to join a community conversation as opposed giving key messages out that no one's listening to and no one believes really interesting time
1: so how are your you know daily work habits changing then in terms of the way that you go about uh, identifying and scoping out the work and then fulfilling the, the tasks and the tactics that are part of these plans that you implement
0: yeah, really good. This is all about having having a really diverse workforce, um, having all manner of people that that know more than you do. You know, some of my um, digital guys, are some of my amazing, um, you know, the, the old graphic designer well I've now got um, a caricaturist I've got a, um, a videographer I've got a uh, an infographic do you know what I mean so now would I know all the things I need to know no so you employ people of all backgrounds it's uh, you employ people with all skills and you get them in a room and you talk about reimagined comms reimagined futures you give them as a leader the vision for the future You then say, how do we get there? I will talk about the business fit. The business fit is, I need uh, more content. I need less paper, I need more this. Then, their personal aspirations. Where do they see themselves going? The idea of internal comms, culture change, that's an area we we didn't have a couple of years ago. Was anyone interested in doing that? Did anyone want to be a business partner? This is what I think a business partner looks like. So each year or 18 months, we realign our teams by our teams. They write their own position descriptions. They decide that maybe year three, they would like to move on. They would like to perhaps have a portfolio career. So there's this really healthy um, reimagining of our work to fit in with the business needs and the community and and, and the research we've done. And some some people will stay here forever, and I'm very happy for that, and other people will say, I just couldn't think of anything worse staying in local government for my life. I want a portfolio career. So, again, David gets to trust. They trust me enough to actually be vulnerable. The unions come into those discussions at the appropriate times and I've never had a problem.
1: So in terms of your journey of this ongoing, rolling, continuing to change, whereabouts are you at at the moment in terms of the balance of your team? You say 1,100 staff. How many of them are in comms? Uh, Obviously, you've got your outsourced workforce that you've started to develop, which I think is a a cracking idea that loads of people should take up, uh, given the you know the ever-growing importance of communications. But just about that core team, what does it look like at the moment?
0: Okay, so I've got um, 38 EFT, but 20 of those will be call centre. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so it's interesting, though, where does social media sit? I think I think the contact centre is possibly you know social customer service. Mm. I think so. We're multi-skilling those. So there's and and I've also got engagement and research in my team, but they all blended because it is all part of the continuum. Do you inform? Do you engage? So it, so even the the, the titles are, are are kind of changing. So. Sorry, what was your question?
1: Well, it's just about what that looks like at the moment, those 18 people. So how, what does that blend? Because obviously as technology continues to change the way people are receiving information, you're going to require different skills in different areas, different weightings along the way. Just where might that balance of 18 sit today, knowing that in three years' time it's going to be different again?
0: Well, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. So crazy good. So we have started, as I mentioned before, our Burundara Customer First program. So that will mean that we are redesigning our website. But to rather than just redesigning a website, we have got programs that are fixing up our legacy IT systems, our customer relationship management systems to ensure that we can, our technology will not let us down in giving a superior customer experience. Having said that, to build and write content for and reimagine our website, we will need additional staff. So I will have a transition team my, uh, of six to, like, to go through, uh, work out what, um, what our um, content strategy is, how, how it will look, how it's presented, um, that kind of thing. So we've got a four-year project and we've got um, additional resources to do that. Now, it's interesting because my team, we need to keep up business as usual. So we work, and and I'm I'm head of both um, both projects. So what we are trying to do is work with the team, and indeed with people coming on, do a workforce strategy that is agile. So we would not be doing permanent, ongoing positions through the transition, because the skill set that we will need will be quite different year one as against year four. So it's again just documenting and 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 being really smart about what do we need, what are we delivering? Year one, two, three, four. I know that. What staff do we need to take us through? We kind of know that, although what you call people and titles are so important because people don't local government doesn't get half the titles that are out there in the in the workplace and people might not think, oh, I want to go and work in local government. So, you know, you have to perhaps entice people with your vision and say, can you please think about coming to assist us? You then need to keep business as usual. So how do you do that? Because we've got so much knowledge in my team. So they will need to work with the transition team as well. So it's very exciting times here at the City of Burundara. Nothing is certain. Everyone's got a very high level of engagement. But I document, I do plans, I test, I co-create, and I test again. So, Yeah. Interesting. Is,
1: is there any specific advice that you would give people around the management of communications around these ICT transformation uh, platform that you're putting in place?
0: Oh, how interesting. So, why for this project, the CEO says Deb you need to be the executive sponsor of this project. And I said to him, that digital transformation project. I said, well, isn't that interesting, Phil? Why would you pick me as I know nothing about digital? And he said, because it's actually about the customer. And I thought, how interesting. So I'm not burdened with a whole lot of ICT stuff. I'm not burdened with a whole lot of knowledge about anything, really, except I understand publics, I understand audience and I understand connection. So – that was i thought interesting I had a few sleepless nights but never mind then make sure that you work really closely with your head of hr your head of it and your, and, and and like everyone in the organization because we are it's a symbiotic relationship role clarity is absolutely like it's imperative i have responsibility for anything that is public-facing. So that means backroom, IT systems, I get IT to do or get permission to do. Anything that is like web forms traditionally would be created in IT, that is created by my team. So there's an awful lot of goodwill. There are some really difficult conversations because it's not cut and dried. So it's about... Build your relationships. Have a very clear. Oh, I have a charter, like a um, responsibility charter, a governance structure, again co-created. That have the difficult conversations early, and then work through with a whole lot of goodwill.
1: I'm fascinated in your insight, perhaps around my this emerging theory that I have that technology is driving communications to a more important position in any organisation than at any other time in history because people are now in control of the information they receive. When they receive it, they have the power to decide when they consume that content, on which device and at which time. Would you agree with me that comms is now more important than it has been at any other time in your professional career?
0: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, and it is a very, you know, unwise organisation not to have comms um, at, at corporate or government or, or anything not at the highest strategic table. It, it would be, it from from a risk assessment point of view, it would be a very very dangerous thing.
1: But it, it's still not there yet, though, is it? You know, you 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 no. you, you described to me almost, a, you know, nirvana for a communications. Uh, person in your role, in that you are respected, you are trusted, you are entrusted with the most important uh, project that the council is is putting in place. But your position is not a usual position for a comms manager, a comms director to be in.
0: Okay, seventy nine councils in uh, in in Victoria. When I was appointed to the executive here, well, I came in that the job was. Was an executive position, I think I was the only one. Six years later, there's now 14 councils that have got comms managers at the executive table, not just reporting to the CEO. A lot of people report to the CEO, but to actually have an equal seat at the table. Sydney was more advanced, but that is we've got a long way to go. I also think it's not comms. It, it can't be just comms. It is a larger portfolio. You know, you, you've really got to have, um, well, it doesn't matter whether it's comms or not, but it, it's governance, research, um, um, customer services. Oh, it's, it's an obvious nexus for it. So it needs to be a larger portfolio rather than just comms, which might be, getting the great news out about council. You've know, you, you got to shift the paradigm from, from that because we are so much more than that. That's why I like community engagement. That's why I like having customer service in my portfolio because you can be the the, the, oh, the holders of knowledge and the sharers of knowledge to influence the organisation to put the community first in everything that they do.
1: Yeah, and I think you've, you know, a word that you've used a number of times during this uh, discussion has been this reimagination and this preparedness yeah. to be continually mm. testing and learning and changing and not getting caught up in the old definitions of where it was, but then looking at how technology is changing the behaviours and then how can you and the resources that you have there at the city of Burundara best meet the needs of the audience. So really that's, that's the role. I suppose there, as you say, it's not traditional comms, which is the, yes, it's the external stuff. And we're going to tell you all the good news and we're going to tell you from our perspective, it's really that understanding piece of the audience. What is it that they're looking from us? What are their needs? What are their wants? What are their pain points? And then what's the information that we can gather? How do we assemble it and how we distribute it in such a way that it's going to solve a problem or meet that need?
0: that's exactly right and and i wouldn't get too hung up on positional power for where does internal comms sit where 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 does um it sit form relationships be of service be of value go back to that enabling stuff get invited into their teams so a good bit of humility from a comms perspective is a really good idea and then work hard do the work Write the plans for them. Don't just chuck them a template and go, you know, start with the pyramid. You actually work with them because they learn from it, but you also are there, you are assisting them when they're most vulnerable, and then they will include you, and then you can kind of just go, have you thought about that? So I don't I don't worry that… Where does culture sit in my organisation? Well, it sits in the people, culture and, and and performance area. So I'm really good mates with that department and that manager. So when we go through enterprise bargaining agreements, when we go through industrial relations stuff, when we go through this transition we're going through to a digital world, she would no more think of doing anything without me. And I wouldn't think of doing anything without her because it is a symbiotic relationship. Now, that's not a power thing. We are equal, but you just make sure that that comms isn't going off ignoring them or they are going off running change programs without comms.
1: Yes, and I think one thing is for certain that technology will never test those timeless concepts of building trust through being respectful (laughs) and and being humble. So Deb Ganderton, thank you so much for spending some time with us today to give us the benefit of your experience and your knowledge and really to understand really the way that you're going about being so modern in the way that you are assembling the various skills that you need within your team to deliver value to the to the city of Burundara. This notion of evidence-based evaluation, rapid prototyping, no blame, and really going out there and building that communications and content capability within the workforce beyond the comms team. I think that's such a very, very smart way to go. And the, the, the fact that you've got you know, you wanted 19 or 29 or whatever it was, you've got 40-odd, you're going to get more and more and more as everyone thinks, hey, I can be part of telling this great story. I want to be part of telling this great story. I can tell this great story. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I know our audience will absolutely love the insights and I look forward to talking to you again very soon in the future.
0: You've been listening to the GovCom's podcast.